0: This morning, Hosea chapter 11. I believe there are 14 chapters in Hosea, and that means we are nearing the end of this 8th century prophet who has had a repetitive theme week after week after week of calling God's people in the 8th century and now to repentance, to consider their ways, to see how they're living and how they're not living faithfully and to be renewed in their relationship with the Lord. And he has used repeated metaphors and illustrations, ways to try to communicate and to get understanding within the people about their relationship with God. This morning he is going to revisit an old metaphor, and he's going to introduce a new one. So give your attention to Hosea chapter 11. When Israel was a child, I loved him. And out of Egypt I called my son. But the more they were called, the more they went away from me. They sacrificed to the Baals, and they burned incense to images. It was I who taught Ephraim to walk, taking them by the arms. But they did not realize it was I who healed them. I led them with cords of human kindness, with ties of love. To to them I was like one who lifts a little child to the cheek. And I bent down to feed them. Will they not return to Egypt? And will not Assyria rule over them? How can I hand you over Israel? How can I treat you like Adma? How can I make you like Zeboim? My heart is changed within me. All my compassion is aroused. I will not carry out my fierce anger, nor will I devastate Ephraim again. For I am God and not a man. The Holy One among you, I will not come against their cities, for they will follow the Lord, and He will roar like a lion. And when He roars, His children will come trembling from the west. They will come from Egypt, trembling like sparrows from Assyria, fluttering like doves. I will settle them in their homes, declares the Lord. Ephraim has surrounded me with lies, Israel with deceit. And Judah is unruly against God, even against the faithful Holy One. A lot of emotion in the text, a lot of of emotion in the prophet... A lot of metaphor, a lot of illustration, a lot of meaning, and a lot of application. Let's pray that the Lord would help us understand His Word. Lord, we pray as we do each week that You would be our teacher. That You would take these truths written long ago in a different culture, a different setting, and that You would apply them to us as they should be. Lord, would you even call us to repent? Would you roar like the lion this morning? We ask this and we pray it in Jesus' name. Amen. So, your home is probably similar to mine and the home that I grew up in. Perhaps it is. In that you can go into a particular room of the house. Maybe it's your family den, your living room, wherever. Somewhere, mom or grandmom is going to have some family scrapbooks. And they're going to have pictures of all the seasons, of all the years, and all the seasons of life for whatever children grew up in that home. Now, we're living in a digital age, and I realize even for us, it's changed things. But we have scrapbooks from our earliest years. And those scrapbooks, for all of us, pretty much fall into categories. And they're going to be pictures from those infancy, time, time, from the time of infancy. And then there are those precious toddler years, right? And then comes the year of youthfulness, those years of, of playing and adventure and being on teams and getting trophies and certificates, And all of it is just so busy and so wonderful, and every season is is a little bit different than the next. But then for many of you, come the teenage years, and the pictures start to look a little different. Maybe some moods start showing up on faces within the pictures. The Christmas that someone was not happy and didn't want to be there. Maybe the countenances are changed in the pictures. These are the teenage years when things can get difficult. There can be rebellion. There can be difficulty. Still a lot of great memories. Those teenage years are a little bit different. And then you, after that, just kind of miss out on all the photos. But those are the seasons that we tend to capture. Here's what I'd like to communicate to you this morning. There's a sense in which what Hosea is saying to the Israelites who he calls Ephraim. That's a synonymous word. He's talking about these different seasons of Israel as they have grown up like a child with the Lord. And there is some sweet father-son imagery here. And then come the teenage years. Then comes the rebellion. Then comes the hardness of heart. And Hosea just puts it all out there for us. So if you have been a parent, you remember those seasons. Each is different than the other. Children progress. And Hosea is giving it to us in that very same way. It's the Lord's scrapbook of Israel. It's the Lord's scrapbook of Israel in verses 1 through 7. Let's consider each of these just for a moment. It's the time of infancy he refers to in verse 1. He says there was a time where Israel was born and Israel was called. Israel was adopted as the Lord's own. And that is a sweet time when the Lord would call a people to Himself and make them to be His treasured people in the earth. This was the early relationship that the Lord had with His covenant people. And then came the toddler years where Israel would learn to feed from the hand of God and His great provision for them. The Lord would teach them to walk. And those of you who who are parents, some of you are living through this now. It is an amazing thing to see a child go from crawling to walking. And to be the one, I mean, I can still in my hands feel the, the, the thumbs of little children or having them take my thumbs and, and them learning how to walk. And we referred to it as, you know, when our children became bipeds. They went from crawling all fours to they became bipeds and they could, they could move around. And you can, you can feel that softness of the child's hand. you can feel it in your mind right now, of what it's like for them to hold and grasp and And to to learn from you how to take steps. And those are sweet memories. And Hosea is saying the Lord has memories of His people. They learn to walk from Him. He's a tender Father to them. And then come the years of youthfulness. Where kids begin to grow. And in in our culture, it's, it's all about being on teams or in group events. And, and children begin to find out what they can do. That these, these legs can run. They can kick a ball. They can hold a racket. They can throw a ball. And it's amazing. I mean, these, these are great years for every family as, as, as they live through youthfulness, you know, and play the 12 and under sports. And, and they're great memories. It wears parents out with all the travel and all the practices. But when it's over, it's over, and you feel the emptiness of it being gone. And Israel had had those years of youthfulness, of of finding out their relationship with the Lord and His faithfulness and learning to be the people of God. And they had lived through this spiritually in a sense of youthfulness. But then come those teenage years. And for some, they're harder than others. But this is where the Lord uses that language that we just read. Where He says, I taught them to walk. And the more that I called them, the more they ran away from me. Now I want you to think about that from a parent's perspective. The, the parent who, who helped the child learn how to use the legs, and now the child uses the legs to run away from when the parent calls them. Right? I have memories of this with small children in the house. You know what it is to call your children and ask them to come to you, and then they don't respond, right? We used to practice obedience in our home. I don't know if any of them remember this, but when they, when they wouldn't respond, when they wouldn't stop what they were doing, we would practice. And I said, I'm going to go in the other room, I'm going to call you, and you're going to come. And we're going to do that a few times, because this is how it's supposed to work, right? Bother to children. Just like you learn to catch a ball, you got to learn to obey and to respond. And then the teenage years come, and what happens in all of us? There can be an independent spirit. Uh, the teenager who's figured everything out, and they think that they're smarter than mom and dad. They think that they're smarter than their coaches. They think they're smarter than their teachers. Right? Th- these are the teenage years. This is adolescence and we've we've all lived through it if you're in that era right now this is pastor paul saying he was that he lived through it as did every other adult who was in here and this is where the prophet hosea kind of kind of sits with the metaphor is that israel has become stubborn the gifts that i have given them they have abused they've misused They've worshipped false gods. They've given thanks to false gods for the things that I've given them. And really the picture here is of a frustrated parent who wants to spank his child and give them what they deserve. And yet there's something else at work in that parent. And it's love, it's compassion, it's mercy. Now in the New Testament, we're told of a story very much like this that captures all of this. It's the story of the prodigal son in Luke chapter 15. I won't take the time to read that, but just to revisit that familiar story with you, you remember that a father has two sons, and it's the younger son who says, give me my inheritance, give me the money, give me the stuff. Which in that culture... You didn't receive that until the parent died. And that was essentially the little one saying, you're as good as dead to me. It's not about you, it's about your stuff. I want your stuff. And so the father in the story, in the parable, is willing to give the child the money. And the child takes it, and the story Jesus tells, reveals that he goes off and spends it like a child would. Like a rebellious child child, a teenager would. He spends it on wild living, on rebellion, in in rebellion, and with hardness of heart towards his father. And then the money runs out. And he's eating the pig slop, living among the pigs in uncleanness. And it dawns on him, I was better off living in my father's home And I would rather be there as a servant being taken care of than continue as I am. And the story that Jesus tells has him rehearsing in his mind how to approach his father, what he will say that he might be able to get back in the home. But you remember the beauty of that story is the father sees the son from a distance... And before the son can even speak a word, it says, the father runs to him, embraces him, and announces that the son will be celebrated with the killing of a fattened calf. Because the one who was as good as dead has been made alive again. Marvelous story in Jesus' earthly ministry that helps us understand ourselves and our own condition. That's what Hosea is doing as well. Hosea is doing it his, his own way. He's identifying with the stubbornness of a child's heart and taking the gifts of God, the legs that God had given them, and using them to run in another direction away from the Lord. And we know this in our own experience, every one of us. Or As our hymn, one of our hymns that we sing says, we're prone to wander... Lord, we feel it. Prone to leave the God we love. So this is common to human nature. It's common to every one of us. That's what Hosea is speaking to. That's the attention that Hosea is attempting to arouse in his hearers. But then the prophet goes on to say in verses 8 and 9 that the Lord has this mysterious passion for Israel. He says in verses 8 and 9 that all of His compassion is aroused within Him. And it's an imagery that seems to be this. The Lord has these competing passions within Him. They're conflicted within His own person. And that is, He is so frustrated with Israel as His child for the disobedience, the gross disobedience, all of the idolatry that he has outlined in previous chapters. It's the inward sense of the demand for justice, for wrath to come upon a rebellious child. But he's torn inside because he's overwhelmed with compassion for his child. And here he paints this vivid, vivid imagery of the tension between wrath and justice and tender mercy. That those two things are swirling within the Father and He wants to pour them out on His Son. But they come together. That tension is resolved in what this morning I'm calling relentless love. That overwhelming internal sense of emotion that the father has, it will be satisfied by showing relentless love for the child. Now, you know what it is to be overcome with emotion. Some of you have gotten mad and put your fist through drywall. You've been overwhelmed with anger or frustration. Or you've been working on something and you've thrown the tool across the, the uh, carport because it wouldn't get the job done. Overwhelmed, just had to respond. Or maybe you've been overwhelmed with, with sadness and the hearing of, of bad news. You, you couldn't hold it in. and you just, you just broke out in tears and just wept. Or some of you have been overwhelmed with, with joy and the feeling of joy. I have a picture in my mind. Um, my dad was not a crying man, but I can remember one time my sister, his only daughter, walked into the room after them not seeing each other for a long time. And I remember my dad's lower lip just starting to quiver, and his eyes watered up. He was so, he was, it was a surprise. And she had come to surprise him. It just My dad overwhelmed with emotion. These overwhelming emotions are being attributed to the Lord here. He has this overwhelming sense of justice must be had. But compassion must be shown. And for the God of the Bible, those two tensions are resolved in what we call this relentless love. The love that will not let us go is the hymn that we will sing about this. And it's what it's it's all about. That the Lord has this relentless love. So the Lord has a scrapbook of Israel He speaks to. The Lord has a passion for Israel within Him. And then thirdly, the Lord has a promise to Israel, His wayward child. And that is in verses 10 to 12. Listen to those again. They will follow the Lord. He will roar like a lion. And when He roars, His children will come trembling from the west. They will come from Egypt. Trembling like sparrows, from Assyria, fluttering like doves. And I will settle them in their homes, declares the Lord. Ephraim has surrounded me with lies, Israel with deceit, and Judah is unruly against God, even against the faithful Holy One. And here you have that swirling tension again. The Lord is the faithful. Holy One, and, and though those people have been driven to Egypt and Assyria, they're getting the just deserts for their rebellion against the Lord. They are now under unruly kings that have nothing to do with the one true God. But the Lord says He will roar like a lion. And this is the revisiting of that language of a lion. He had said earlier that the Lord is a lion and will tear His people to pieces. Do you remember that? Bone-chilling warning and covenant threat for their disobedience. But now it's an image of a lion who roars for His people to come. Now, if you're my age or older, you may remember as I do. I remember watching black and white television of old Tarzan TV shows. I don't know if any of you remember that. And you remember Tarzan had his own yell. He had his own call. And what would happen when Tarzan yelled, when T- Tarzan called? If, if I was courageous enough, I would imitate that call right now, but I'm, <laughs> I'm smarter than that. Um, all the animals would come. You remember that? And I can still see it in my head. You know, a lion would pick up its head. The elephants would come running to Tarzan. It was like his distress call. I need, I need the animals to come help me. And he would call out to the jungle and, and everything responded. That's the kind of imagery that Hosea is using here. That when the Lord roars, His people will come. His call has effect. And they will come. They will come to Him. Rick Phillips says this concerning all that we've just heard in his commentary on Hosea. He says, when the lion roars, when God calls His people, His once wayward people will come home, even though trembling. But like the prodigal son in Jesus' parable, they will find the Father full of mercy, running to Him, embracing and kissing him, even celebrating him with the fattened calf. And that's the imagery of Hosea. Remember, we've said it every week. you got to hear the badness of the bad news. But then the goodness of the good news becomes sweet as it should be. The New Testament refers to the voice of the Lord. It says that, changes the metaphor a bit. But the Lord says, my sheep know my voice. And they respond to me when I call them. It's the same kind of thought as what's being said here. The faithful and holy one, Hosea says, the faithful and holy one will roar like a lion. And those who truly belong to him, they will respond. And they will come to him. John chapter 6, verse 39, Jesus says, And this is the will of him who sent me, that I shall lose none of all those he has given me, but I will raise them up at the last day. And I want to leave us with that imagery this morning that Jesus has said, I will lose none. I will lose none that the Father has given me. Won't lose one, not a single one. And the Lord calls His people like a lion. He roars, and they will come trembling to Him. Trembling with holy fear before a holy God, but a holy and faithful one, Hosea says. And so this morning, I just wonder if it's possible Could some of you hear the lion's roar in any that's been said in our worship service this morning? Whether in the singing of the hymns, what's the truth within the hymns, the liturgy, the call to worship, the confession of sin, the assurance of pardon, the hearing of God's Word. I wonder if the Lord has roared for you, whether this morning or sometime recently. We all have hearts that are prone to wander. We can be like those teenagers that the more the Lord calls, the the more we just run away. But when the lion roars, He says, He will lose none. So it's time to return to Him. It's time to come trembling in His holy presence, to acknowledge Him. He is the faithful one of Israel. We are the unfaithful ones of Israel. But he continued, through Hosea, he continues to relentlessly remind us that God has a relentless love for His people. No more running away. No more using the legs that God has given us, the gifts that God has given us, to run in another direction. It's time to respond to the roar of the lion. So says Hosea to the 8th century people, So says Hosea to us this morning. Let's pray that that would be true. Lord, for ourselves and for our families and for the members of our families, those who still live with us, those who have moved out of our homes, we pray for the roar of the lion to be heard. We pray for your people to come trembling before you. And holy acknowledgement of who You are. And Lord, may Your relentless love, this, this inexplicable mercy that You show people, may that wash over us and wash over all of our sins. And You restore us and refresh us and renew us. Just as You were doing through Hosea then. Lord, may You do it through Hosea now. And we ask it and we pray it together in Jesus' name. Amen.